From legendary locals we all know to people you should get to know. Follow Ipswich Today on your favourite app and never miss an episode. Or go to ipswichtoday.com.au Coming up, CleanAway faces millions in fines over Chuar smell. Obesity levels up a whopping 46% in 11 years with a new report calling for more action to support healthy lifestyles. Council approves $63,000 to support the 150th Ipswich show and Riverview Transfer Station now open longer hours all year round. It's Friday, March 31, 2023, and I'm Alan Roebuck. Welcome to Ipswich Today, which acknowledges the traditional custodians of the land on which it is produced and pays respects to elders past, present and emerging. This podcast is supported by Kinetics, people-powered web hosting trusted by Australian businesses since 1999. Obesity levels are seemingly getting worse every year and Ipswich is far from being Australia's healthiest city. The latest Westmorton Health Indicators report has revealed obesity prevalence in Westmorton adults has increased by 3.5% annually or a huge 46% in total between 2009 and 2020. That's more than double the state rate. So what can be done to improve and tackle obesity? Dr. Aletha Ward is a lecturer in nursing and a public health researcher with the University of Southern Queensland and is the lead author of a white paper published this week by the Westmorton Obesity Group. Thank you for speaking with Ipswich today, Aletha Ward. It's my pleasure, Alan. Firstly, what is the Westmorton Obesity Group and what does the group hope to achieve with this new report? Yeah, look, Alan, we're an advisory group. So we know that we've got an issue uh, in the region, but we look very broadly about what may be driving, uh, you know, our over rates of overweight and obesity in the region. So we're uh, very multidisciplinary and we come as a group of key stakeholders to see really what can we do to achieve some shift in this area. The report highlights work done by local governments. Why are councils in a position to influence rates of obesity? Mm, that's a that's a good question. We believe that you know local governments are in the box seat to both understand their community but also engage with their community to ensure that the environment in which we work and we live is not perpetuating our obesity crisis. So therefore, with this white paper, we're very much calling on local governments to help regional and rural, rural Queensland to respond to this health challenge. And do you have any practical examples how Ipswich mm. Council is helping to tackle obesity? Yes, look, Ipswich Council is one of the members of the Westmorton Obesity Advisory Group and, you know, very engaged and, you know, have been a key stakeholder in this paper. And they've certainly led the way in regards to um, promoting physical activity uh, in the region, which is excellent. Uh, this white paper is based off some things that we've seen occurring around Australia as well. Uh, for example, we have uh, recommended that um, you know, each local government area develop and implements a public health plan um, around, you know, the the obesity and the health challenges within the area. And that comes from Western Australia, actually, where each local government is mandated and required to develop and implement a public health plan for their region. Why is it that disadvantaged or low-income earners are more likely to be obese? Mm. 
a good question. And because we know that, for example, obesity levels are about 12% higher in regional and rural uh, Queensland for, than for those living in major cities. And furthermore, those living in socioeconomically disadvantaged areas in Queensland are almost 50% more likely to be overweight. So that's really significant. And we're seeing that in you know, regional areas where we see things like high unemployment and high rates of housing insecurity. And you know, I think many factors sit behind that, Alan. I think, uh, you know, the increased cost of living, and we're all feeling that um, now, uh, means people are often finding food for their tables, but it's that cheaper, heavily processed foods that's really high in fats and sugars um, that is being found for the table because that's often cheaper. Um, and we've also seen the cost of fresh fruits and vegetables, you know, skyrocket, making them very unaffordable for many. So I think, you know, that's driving, you know, when, when you're looking at a region that has um, some socioeconomic disadvantage, you know, that just perpetuates uh, that problem of finding well-priced fresh food. Um, we also see poor mental health outcomes um, in particularly rural and regional Queensland, and that is a risk factor for obesity also. There seems to be a never-ending expansion of fast food options, I mm. guess because they do well. How do we as a society resist the temptation to go down that fast food path and some people do it on a daily basis. It's easy to do, isn't it, Alan, uh, living in our the environment that we live in and as, as researchers we call this an obesogenic environment, meaning it's super easy to actually have a sedentary lifestyle and a lot of us sit behind, you know, desks um, every day, um, but also accessing those foods that really should be very occasional foods, not everyday foods. And what we'd like to see uh, happens and what, what we've recommended in the white paper is we want to see the prohibiting of, um, you know, prohibit marketing of unhealthy foods and uh, sugar-sweetened beverages at council events um, and on council properties. Um, so that includes any advertisements on those properties. Uh, we know, for example, that on the way to and from school, students see at least seven advertisements on each trip for unhealthy foods and beverages. So it's hard when we're driving past this every day. Um, but we also need the state government to support local governments with planning legislation that enables decision making to address where fast food chains can be built and in particular the vicinity to key infrastructure such as schools. I'm old enough to remember when fast food was one choice, fish and chips, and we had a, a fish and chip shop directly across from the high school and the high school did not sell hot chips strangely enough <laughs> so that was our definition of bad fast food so bad eating habits can start when we're young what more can be done say in primary school to encourage better diets yeah, and you're right, you know, bad eating habits do start when we're young and we do know that children who are overweight and obese and in Queensland, that's about one in four children, um, are more likely to be overweight or obese as adults. So, you know, it's perpetuating. We also know that children who come from households where one or more parent is overweight or obese, they're also more likely to be overweight or obese. So, you know, there's no silver bullet. This needs to be addressed with a range of a range of measures. But we need to make it easy to be um, accessing fresh fruit and vegetables, and that's a little bit of a cultural shift as well. I know a lot of schools now have fruit breaks where 
you know, that first break of a morning is about eating, you know, a, a low processed um, fruit. So, you know, not things like roll-ups, for example, mm, but mm. actually a piece of fruit. So, you know, things like that. And, and this is going to be a change over a number of years. We've really been pushed and shifted by what we've called commercial determinants of health. So, you know, the marketing, it's in our face. It's easy to have, um, you know, fast food regularly. Well, we need a shift away from that. So the kids can learn the good habits, particularly when they're mm. prep and grades one and two, etc. But then parents can undo that good work. Do you think it's time the government brought back a more aggressive healthy eating campaign i mean there was life be in it a couple of decades ago or even mm-hmm. longer uh, mm. do we need to do something like that yes i do remember life be in it uh, <laughs> alan um, quite well and you know this is again not just one measure is not going to help and some of it is health literacy which is what you're talking about like do people know you know it should be two and five two two pieces of fruit, um, five serves of vegetables each day and a very low percentage of our population actually eat that. But we also need to make it easy to do that. So I'd like to see, for example, uh, the federal and state government further support our regions by subsidising things like fresh fruit and vegetables and also addressing our significant social issues around things like housing insecurity or people who are un- or underemployed and also mental health challenges. Because, you know, Alan, when, when people are house insecure, they're not worried about the food that they eat. They're worried about survival. So it's also about supporting those very basic socioeconomic needs of our community and making fresh fruit and vegetables affordable and accessible for all. The report also mentions Ipswich Council's Active Seniors Program. While mm. there have been good numbers taking part, it's it's way short of the number of seniors across the city. How do we get more people involved? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, uh, you know, as a region, we need to really prioritise this. And Ipswich City Council is a good example of, you know, the fact that we need local governments to provide that infrastructure that provides physical activity, um, such as, you know, the, the activity programs which Ipswich City Council has, but also safe walking um, and cycling areas to both schools and workplaces because, you know, we believe that local government planning extends beyond roads and footpaths. It's about creating that environment that keeps us healthy. With so much temptation at our fingertips, encouraging healthy lifestyles and eating, it almost seems like an impossible mountain to climb. How would you prioritise the recommendations in the report to effect real change sooner rather than later? Mm, Good question. Um, First of all, I would call each local government area to develop and implement a public health plan. You know, we have the data there. We've got, um, you know, we can work with uh, like primary health networks to go, okay, what's the most underprivileged areas of our community? And mostly they are also, um, you know, those areas struggling the most with being overweight and obese because we need to target our programs and support to those areas. So that would be a really important first step. I would also um, suggest that local governments actually prohibit the marketing of unhealthy food and sugar-sweetened beverages in all of their, you know, activities, events on their properties and at community functions. And again, you know, local government is one part of this picture. We also need the federal and state government to step up to support what we're doing locally, but also, you know, 
know, doing things like subsidising those fresh fruit and vegetables. I think you've partly answered uh, my last question, Aletha. Who do you hope will read and act on these recommendations? So we've released the white paper um, really targeting all local government areas um, in Queensland and, and, well, particularly those in, you know, regional, uh, outer regional and rural areas. So that is the first, you know, audience that we're targeting. But also, again, we need to be working with state and federal government uh, to, to support what's happening locally. Dr. Aletha Ward from the University of Southern Queensland, thank you so much for speaking with Ipswich today. It's my pleasure. In other local news, following an extensive investigation, the Department of Environment and Science has charged Clean Away Solid Waste with a number of offences in relation to its Newchum facility, including willfully causing an environmental nuisance relating to odour in 2022. As the environmental regulator, the department said in a statement it takes environmental offences seriously and will continue to take strong enforcement action, including court action, in relation to contraventions of the EP Act. CleanAway is facing fines amounting to millions of dollars. For a full list of specific charges, there's a link in the show notes. The matter is listed before the Ipswich Magistrates Court for mention on April 24, 2023. Ipswich City Council has committed $63,000 to support the 150th Ipswich Show in recognition that it is a milestone event. Ipswich Show Society originally submitted a $100,000 sponsorship proposal as it finalises plans for an expanded entertainment lineup and other improvements to mark 150 years. Councillors debated the merits of $100,000 as recommended by senior council officers or a reduction to $63,000 as put forward by Councillor Andrew Fechner. Councillors voted 6-3 in favour of the reduced amount, with no real plausible explanation given. Riverheart Parklands will partially reopen from today, March 31, after being closed since the 2022 floods. Council said there had been significant damage to the boardwalk foundations. While the main concrete footpath will open, the rest of the park will stay closed for public safety reasons. A recent Ipswich City Council delegation to Canberra stressed the importance of the Ipswich Central to Springfield Central Public Transport Corridor. The delegation included two councillors, representatives from Sekasui House, Multicultural Australia and the Ipswich Show Society. The group advocated for federal support and investment in this proposed rail corridor. Council's advocacy states the proposed 25-kilometre link would provide significant social, economic and environmental benefits, especially in suburbs growing with young families that have limited access to public transport, such as Red Bank Plains. Ipswich is home to many extraordinary Australians, and you can now nominate them for the 2024 Ipswich Australia Day Awards. So why not start thinking about who you can nominate for the 2024 awards? And Riverview Recycling and Refuse Centre is now open permanently from 7am to 5pm, seven days a week, all year round, with the exception of Good Friday and Christmas Day. Previously, the transfer station had operated shorter hours through winter. And that's it for this episode of the show. Don't forget to look for those handy links in the show notes. 
Ipswich Today is supported by Kinetics, people-powered web hosting trusted by Australian businesses since 1999. This podcast is also listener-supported. Please make a once-only gift or regular donation to help keep it online. Just go to ipswichtoday.com.au and click the Donate button on the homepage to make a payment through PayPal. Follow and stream this podcast from your favourite app, including iHeartRadio and Amazon Music. Or play Ipswich Today on smart speakers. Music is supplied by Purple Planet Music. This is Alan Roebuck. Thank you for listening. Enjoying Ipswich today? Please share the love on your socials.